you're listening to the Creative Pep Talk Podcast. We help you build a thriving creative practice. I'm your host, Andy J. Pizza! Go to creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter and subscribe so you never miss an episode and you're able to consistently make creative progress each and every week. Let's get into this episode. This episode is supported by In The Making, an original podcast brought to you by Adobe Express, the all-in-one content creation app included in your Creative Cloud membership. If you are trying to boost the YouTube, TikTok, Reels content side of what you're doing, one episode of In The Making that I think will be super useful to you is their episode with John Yushai. I think John's method for including his audience in the process is really inspiring. And if you want to hear about that and more about leveling up your game in the creator economy, just search In The Making in your podcast player to listen. Many thanks to In The Making and Adobe Express for their support. really needed to rehaul my website. I was talking to some web people, looking around, and I got intrigued by Squarespace's new Fluid Engine, partially because it just sounds cool, but also because it allows you to drag and resize and layer up anything you can imagine. I dove in, rebuilt my site. It's the most me site that I've ever had. I just absolutely love it. Launched it, got such a great response. Some industry illustration and designy peers even reached out and was like, hey, who coded this thing, man? I'm like, y'all, I did it by myself. No coding with Squarespace's new Fluid Engine. I told him like, you should go check it out. You're gonna be surprised with what you can do. And I built this thing before Squarespace reached out to sponsor the show. So I was like, boom, easy peasy. I was gonna tell you about this new site. Anyway, go check it out, anyjpizza.com if you wanna see what I did with it. If you want to try it yourself, make a site that's totally you where you can build a portfolio, sell content and courses and all kinds of other stuff, head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain with promo code PEPTALK, all one word, all uppercase. Okay, so... This is a surprise fourth episode of the overthinking series. Uh, You know, part of it, the main part is just I had one more thing that I felt like was really important to drill down on. uh, And I and I had a bunch of stuff to say about it. I thought we can't leave this out. And then the second thing is, it just seems like it really struck a chord with people. And I wanted to make sure that we did this topic justice because I need all this stuff. It sounds like y'all are going through a bunch of stuff and you need uh, as many tools as you can get to overcome overthinking in your creative practice so you can make it a habit so that you can get some progress and get out of your head and get onto the page. And so I just wanted to, I had to, I had to do it. I had to do part four. So this is part four. Very excited about it. Let's go. Oh, and I'll just say, these all, they're like friends episodes, man. You know, that we're going to have Ross and Rachel join us. That's not why they're like friends episodes. They're like friends episodes because you can watch them. You can listen to them as standalone episodes. You don't have to listen to the whole series, but they also work kind of in tandem on a greater subject. So pick whichever one you want and you, go, you can listen to this one now. If you haven't listened to the other ones, you can listen to them in different order. It doesn't really matter. That's the idea. Let's do it. 
ever get so hung up on what other people think about creativity, either your practice or just creative philosophy and creative morality, if you will, that it ruins your relationship to making creative work, this love, this passion that you have. Do you ever let those voices get in your head that get so loud and eat away at you from the inside until sometimes even the whiff of creative work or art or anything like it can kind of make you feel sick to your stomach, you feel ill? You know, the Sundays when you have extra time to go all out and make exactly the kind of work that you like to create, uh, you know, work in your favorite long form creative medium. Do, do you ever start to you know, dread that extra time because of these voices, you know, this favorite day of the week becomes your least favorite day of the week. You know, do you ever have that experience where your art friends, your drink and draw buddies, your art museum partners go from the most important relationships in your life to people whose texts you actually start to avoid because they're telling you how many pieces they made that day and you can't respond or bear to admit that you haven't made a piece in weeks. Has that ever happened to you? I think that when you listen to other people's voices and thoughts and opinions too much, they can start to really throw you off course. And ultimately, they can even tempt you to just give up this thing that matters to you so much and that used to give you so much joy, which is making creative work. You know, I went to college in the UK. I lived over there for five years when I was... 19, I was over there and I got invited to this older friend's super fancy schmancy wedding with brass bands and vintage shuttle buses and elaborate moving best man speeches, the works. I'd never seen anything like it. It was totally amazing. Uh, but as a person who had grown up in Southern Indiana, it was an understatement to say that I was completely out of my element and feeling super self-conscious of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to do the wrong thing. There's too many damn forks on the table. I don't know what to do. And I just kept looking at everybody else to be like, what should I be doing? And then when dinner came, it looked so freaking amazing. But when I cut into the chicken, a little voice in my head said, this doesn't seem right because the chicken was a little bit raw on the inside. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Andy, don't do it. Whatever you do, don't make a scene. They'll know you're not fancy. Eat that delicacy. Keep your lips zipped. I mean, open your lips enough to eat the chicken, but then close them and pretend like you eat medium rare chicken all the time, right? My thoughts, <laughs> exactly. So what did I do? I ate the raw chicken. And afterwards, there was dancing. No, not with my wife, Sophie, with the toilet. You guessed it. I was writhing and rolling so much. It was like the 90s swing dance revival, the chicken poppin' daddies. We called it. We, everyone was calling it that. Nobody called it that. <laughs> Whenever anyone's telling crazy party stories of the hijinks they get into, they're like, man, I got so wasted with shots of Jameson. I friggin' woke up in a Walmart dumpster. We were off our heads on absence, man. I let the bouncer shave my back. 
And I'll be like, yeah, I know what you mean. One time I was just tripping my head off, completely blacked out in the back of a taxi cab. And they'd be like, whoa, man, what were you on, dude? And I'd be like, dude, raw chicken (laughs) off my head with raw chicken. The pain (laughs) that I felt that night was the worst pain that I'd ever experienced in my life with, with health stuff. It was awful. I was like breaking out in like hives. I was sick. It was just the worst. And look, no one needed to tell me ever again, don't eat raw chicken. It's not a delicacy. Believe me, it took me one time to learn to trust myself and trust my experience. But can you imagine if I kept listening to those voices in my head that, uh, you know, those voices, I was so afraid to be found out as a poser. What would happen if I just kept like a crazy person eating medium rare raw chicken over and over and over? I mean, nobody would do that. It it would start to eat away at you from the inside. It would totally destroy your love of making chicken. Even just the whiff of chicken would make you feel sick. And those Sundays, those long Sundays when you got extra time to really give it your all and make your favorite chicken dish would go from some day that you longed for to a day that you totally dreaded, right? And your your buddies, your your family bucket 12-piece pounding friends with the 10-cent wing night buddies would go from the most important relationships in your life to people whose texts you avoid when they're like, hey man, I just pounded a 10-piece chicken bucket tonight and you can't even reply because you're too ashamed to admit that you haven't even eaten one piece in weeks. That would, that would never happen. I mean, come on. If over and over your insecurities about what other th- people thought ruined the thing that you love the most, you'd quit listening to those voices and you'd start trusting your own experiences. In fact, I didn't even have to have that experience. One moment of just listening to my own inner concerns and speaking up would have saved me 10 hours of, scr- of my inside screaming, I told you so. So I want to ask you, how long are you going to keep swallowing toxic crap just to fit in, just because you're worried about what other people might think before you stop and listen to your own experience and learn to listen to and trust your own gut? Because if you don't trust your gut now, you might just get in a situation where you have to listen to it go on and on and on as it tells you, I told you so. How long are you going to let insecurities ruin the thing you love most about being alive? If you keep going like this, you may never enjoy making chicken, aka creative work, ever again. 
right, so this episode is for you. If every mark you make on the page or every key that you press on the piano triggers a voice in your head that tells you you're not fancy enough to do this, they're going to find out you're not educated enough, you're not cultured enough, you don't know what you're doing, you're not creative enough, you're not original enough to be making work. Listen closely. You'll never Find your creative voice while you're being a slave to their creative voices in your head. You've got to learn to quiet those voices that you're hearing. And often finding your creative voice isn't about gaining something you don't have. It's about clearing out all the stuff other voices that you do have that are drowning it out. In this episode, I want to help you get started in doing just that. Let's do this. Okay, so we're going to go through a process to help just kind of deprogram all these voices, clear out your head of all these voices that are drowning out that, you know, pure urge to show up and create stuff and make chicken, aka make creative work. And so the first thing I want to talk about, we've touched on this a little bit on other episodes, but I want to, I want to talk about it and kind of use it as a springboard to actually do something about this. And what I'm talking about is hypervigilance, okay? Hypervigilance is essentially when you're trying to be, you're trying in an obsessive sort of way, be so perfect and above reproach and above critique that nobody could possibly ever call you out for anything, And the fact of the matter is, you know, on the last episode, we talked about cheese. Remember when we were talking about cheese? We were talking about how you can't judge cheese just by the way it smells. You know, I've been thinking about this, like Martin Scorsese talking crap about Marvel movies and vice versa and whatever. And and I thought there's these great arguments of like, it's easy for him to be like, oh, it's Marvel movies aren't film. They're not film. Like they're just the same thing over and over again. And some other person, some meme, was like, yo, every single one of your movies is a mob movie, another mob movie. Why are you talking about variety? It's just absolutely ridiculous. And I think what happens is, is we start grading things in all these different ways that they're not supposed to be tested on. And it's the same way of grading cheese on the way it smells. No, You can actually have food that smells awful and tastes amazing. Just ask a little camembert on a little baguette. It's, there's not much better in the world. Anyway, that, that's what happens when you try to knock it out of the park in every single possible way that you could be graded or critiqued. You're going to do nothing. And I think about people like Keanu Reeves, who knows that his movies aren't necessarily Shakespeare, right? John Wick's not Shakespeare, but it's something else. And if you grade it for what it is, it's actually fantastic, right? And so 
hypervigilance. I want to highlight what are the things, what are the ways when as you go to do something, you start to do every single thing in your power to be above critique. For me, this happens primarily with chicken because, of, you know, my favorite example of hypervigilance is when I make chicken or when my wife makes chicken, I get that thermometer out the, the, and I check, I don't just check the temperature on one chicken breast. I got to check every one and I poke it three or four, five times to make sure that I don't eat medium raw chicken chicken ever again because it was so awful and as I've been talking to my therapist about my creative hypervigilance the things that I when I get in my head and I'm doing those intrusive thoughts and I'm thinking the same thing over and over and I'm downward spiraling and all of a sudden I've lost every ounce of joy in creativity and all of a sudden I just want to pack it in she pointed out that's called hypervigilance and hypervigilance is a trauma response and my mind was just like, what? And I know I've talked about this on the show, but I just, I posted about this on Instagram and I got more comments on that post, I think, than any post I've done in two years, maybe ever. And I thought, oh man, we need to camp out in this a little bit. We need to, we need to talk about this and I'll share some things that I've heard through therapy and also things that I've done in practice and also things I've heard from other artists that have helped them. And so it's a roundabout. We're getting some experiential stuff. We're getting some expert information and all that kind of stuff. If you really struggle, if you had some real trauma in any way, and especially in regards to, well, just in any anything, I'd actually encourage you to get professional help, even if it's just creative trauma. Because I think we tend to downplay that. But for me personally, I, when I go make a piece of work, I can find myself poking and prodding at that piece of chicken from every single angle, making sure no person could possibly call it out for any particular thing. But the thing is, to be one thing, you have to not be another thing by definition. And the only way to get around that is to be no thing and do no things. And so if you find yourself in a place where you're overthinking, overanalyzing, overpreparing, hyper vigilanting towards your creative practice, that is a sign that that is linked to pain. And the first thing you got to do is start to ask yourself, where is that pain coming from? And when I realized that that hypervigilance was a trauma response, I realized like, oh my gosh, I have these experiences, a bunch of them. Anytime you've been making stuff for a while, you are going to have come in contact with these situations where you emptied your insides onto a canvas and then someone casually walked by and was like, you, you know, looks like Charlie Brown. You're like, screw you, man. Yeah, and you know, <laughs> whatever. Uh, but every t- how it's going to happen, it's going to keep happening. And so we got to have some practices to recognize that pain, identify it through how we're being hypervigilant. And then let's not stop there. The rest of this episode is going to say, what do you do next?
Okay. So you find yourself poking and prodding that chicken. <laughs> Think about <laughs> what, stop for a minute and say, what led to this? Where did this come from? And step two is to disown those voices. This is also a thing that comes from therapy. You know, one of the things that's really powerful is, or one of the things that really hurts you is when you believe those voices to be your own. And something that I found really powerful was to stop and first of all, disassociate with that voice because first of all, even if it is coming, if that attack is coming directly from you, it's coming from not your higher self. That's not coming from a place. It's not coming from your best place, that accusatory voice. Even if you've had made a mistake or you've had a failure, anything that condemns you with shame is, is not your best self. And it's not going to help you become yourself your best self. Brene Brown talks about the difference between shame and guilt. Shame is feeling like I am bad. Guilt is actually a good thing that says I've done something bad and I need to take care of it. And you know, the problem I think becomes when you start feeling shame and guilt when you haven't done anything wrong. And I think a huge part of that process is identifying where did this voice come from and not owning it yourself. For me, the voice is an art director in Manchester, UK, when I was first starting, who offhandedly belittled my maximalism in a bar and just, you know, casually threw out why it's irrelevant what I do. It's some comment on a blog feature from 2008. It's some random passerby from the craft show. It's some industry narcissist triangulating and dividing and conquering and putting down others to make them seem higher up on the hierarchy. And so the first thing you've got to do when you identify where that pain is coming from is to is to recognize that it's not coming from you. It's not coming from authorities on your creative practice. It's coming from people who you do not trust and you do not want them to make the final call. And so the second thing you got to do is just disown those voices. Start, start by identifying where did this pain come from? Who caused that pain. And when every single time that voice shows up in your creative practice, I don't just casually consume it, stop it and be looking at it and say, there's that voice again. There's that phrase again. There it is. And just notice it to start with. That is half the battle in itself. With Kizik Hands Free Shoes, motion sounds something like this. Kizik helps you experience the magic of motion. With over 200 patents and easy on, easy off technology, you'll never have to touch your shoes again. There are hundreds of styles and colors, plus a squish like nothing you've ever felt. For a limited time, get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizik.com socks. Thank you. 
okay, so the third thing you got to do, you've identified it. You, you've identified your hypervigilance. You found those pain points. You've figured out who those voices that are in your head. Now you just got to take those voices out, right? Wrong. That doesn't work. Okay. Have you ever tried? I just heard the, I just saw this random thing on TikTok. It was Simon Sinek talking about how you can't think negative thoughts, you know, in actuality. If I say, don't think of an elephant, what are you going to do, man? You can't. That's not how your brain works. You got to add, not subtract. It's just like when you're trying to get a new habit in or you're trying to break an old habit, you can't just delete that habit. If you're thinking, don't eat chocolate, don't eat chocolate, don't eat chocolate. What you thinking about, man? You're thinking about eating chocolate. You got to eat something else. You can't just quit eating because you had a bad experience with chicken. You got to replace it with something better. And the same goes for those negative thoughts. You know, there's this song uh, I'm obsessed with right now. It's a great running song. I think it's called The Sun... Uh, hasn't disappeared, something like that by Modest Mouse. And there's this, it's on their new album. It's about the sun, okay? Uh, and I didn't, I didn't plan on bringing it up. And so I don't have the name, <laughs> but, but anyway, go check it out. It's about the sun. That's in the title. And there's a lyric in there that says counting backwards from zero is such a waste of time, which is another way of saying being negative, but it's not a toxic positivity song. It acknowledges, you know, the different crises that we are in right now, but it also shows like why there's a reason to fight, why there's still a reason to have a posture of yes. And you got to focus on those things. It's great to get mad about the crap that is going on in the world that is unjust or painful. I, I want to get mad. I want to identify those crises and traumas and deal with it. I'm all for facing the shadow, going into the cave that you fear to enter. That is where the treasure is. But don't stay there, man. There is still so much to fight for and there's so much that we can do. And, 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 you, and, and if you just try to subtract these voices, if you just try to go negative on them, you're going to get into a tricky situation. And so what I want you to do is instead add new voices. And we're going to talk about adding strangers voices that the, <laughs> they don't tell kids that add strangers voices to your heads. Um, <laughs> you meaning like artists that you trust artists that you're inspired by artists whose way of moving through life is something that you want to embody, you know, not just for your creative work, but you know, listen to those artists who are healthy and thriving and were able to bring their work over a long period of time where it was was this ebb and flow ecosystem with their life like that's what I think that's what I want at least listen to those people and then we're going to talk about loved ones and then we're going to talk about yourself comforting yourself I think that's the ultimate platform Okay, so first I just thought, let's just talk about some artists and let's just make this episode. I'm just going to do a little bit of that fishing for you and just give you some quotes that might help you. If you're worried about, you know, being a fraud, being an imposter, being uneducated, maybe you're self-taught, let me just give you a few quotes that just, just soak in these for a minute. Not all of them might do it for you, but there might be a little piece in here for one of you. So just kind of listen as I go through them, which ones you might need. And then take note of them because we're going to do something with it. 
here's one. In life and art, it's better to be an enthusiastic amateur than a jaded professional by Robert Ginn, who was a painter. And I like this quote because I really do believe that at all costs, you should try to avoid becoming jaded about your creativity. And I think the only way to do that is to perpetually follow your curiosity and always stay a beginner. So I like that. I like that quote. Here's a few more. Let's just run through these. If you ever find yourself asking yourself and your friends, am I really a writer? Am I really an artist? Chances are you are. The counterfeit innovator is wildly self-confident. The real one is scared to death. That's Stephen Pressfield. And I, and I love that um, idea of, you know, if you're worried about this, if you're concerned with this, if you're trying to become legitimate, then you're not probably a counterfeit innov- innovator. This one was Matisse. It has always bothered me my whole life that I don't paint like everybody else. So even Matisse felt it. I love this one, John Steinbeck. He wrote to himself, I think this was in his journals, I am not a writer. I've been fooling myself and other people. And he wrote that in the midst of writing The Grapes of Wrath, one of the all-time masterpieces. He was feeling that way. There's another one. Fear is the reason for making art. It is a means to freedom. That's Ilya Kabakov. And I love this idea of fear is the reason for making art because it's, I feel like that fear is the thing that almost stops you. And the only way to get over it is through it. And that's why that's one of the beliefs that I have around making a creative habit, that, that creative block, that, that, that insecurity, those voices in your head, the only way for me, the only way I've found to get through those is to make while they're still speaking that stuff in and through me. There have been so many episodes of this podcast that I have recorded while I'm talking. There's another voice talking right (laughs) inside my head. And the only way that I've ever found to get through it is to just do it. And I think one of the things that happens is those voices get so loud that they stop us from making when making is the only way to defeat them. You have to, you know, if they're like, oh, you're going to make what you make is total crap. One of the ways to get through it is to make some total crap and be like, yeah, you're right. That was total crap. And then show up again and again. I have this theory right now that I think something like one in 10 pieces that I make are great. One in 10 episodes. Now, I think once you get a professional, like we talked about in the other episode, Christoph Neiman says, your job as a pro is to know how to make good stuff consistently. You don't have any control over the great stuff. Now, that's how I think about this podcast, the episode art, my client work, everything that I do, you know, pages of a picture book, every piece that I do, my job as a professional is to be good enough, to be good. Every single episode I think that I put out is good. I don't put episodes out that I don't think are good. But 
that voice that says every single one has to be transcendent, I turn that off and I say, look, I don't have any control over that. And to me, I lean into the habit of making because I know if every 10th thing I make has some transcendence or greatness or, or je ne sais quoi to it, then the easiest way to get more of those is just to make more pieces. If you only make 10 pieces in a year and only one is great, you're only going to have one great piece that year. But if you make 50, you might just have five. And so the only way around that fear is through it. All right, let's talk about a few. Let's soak in a little bit of quotes about originality. uh, Because honestly, I think this gets in your head. The more and more stuff you make, the further you go, part of the thing that risks making you jaded is just you realize that this idea of there's nothing new under the sun. Everything is a remix, as Kirby Ferguson would say. And if you're interested in, if you're struggling with originality, highly recommend going and checking out that mini documentary series called Everything is a Remix by Kirby Ferguson. I believe it's on YouTube. We'll hook it up in the show notes. But let's soak in a few of these Truths from creative strangers. Originality does not consist of saying what no one has ever said before, but in saying exactly what you think. James Fitzjames Stephen said that, and I was just like, yeah, that is what it's all about. And it goes hand in hand with this other quote I love, which is original is impressive. Authentic is moving. And that's Liz Gilbert. Liz Gilbert said, yeah, of course the gold standard is original and authentic. But she talks about how, you know, in a book signing, she'll get someone come up and be like, I know you hear this all the time, but you changed my life. And do you ever think she gets tired of hearing that just because it's not original? No, it's authentic. That's spiritual sustenance for this planet. And I was recently listening to one of my all-time favorite comics and the interview compared him to somebody who he felt, you know, he'd heard that comparison a few times. And I'm telling you, this guy is one of the all-time greats. And I could just feel the hypervigilance just be like, well, I never even watched any of those. And I, you know, this, blah, blah, blah. And I could just feel him. There's a piece of him that's like, Maybe I just, if, if there's, if it's similar to anything out there, why do it at all? Well, that is not the freaking point of creativity. I'm telling you right now, we don't eat food just because it's fresh. Yes, that's a, that's a, uh, that's not the point of eating food. It is a requirement. It can't be moldy. It can't be off. Your thing can't be a carbon copy of somebody else's and ultimately get the, the creative nutrients that you need out of it. That's true. It can't be totally off. But the point of creativity is not newness. To me, it is deeper than that. It is something that you need to do to thrive as a human and something you need to consume of others to stay connected and thrive. It is spiritual sustenance. It having a flair of originality and authenticity is a piece of it being uh, nutritious sustenance, but it isn't the point. And, uh, and Liz would say, you know, shoot for authenticity. Originality will, you know, this guy, the comic that I'm not going to mention just because I don't want to add any extra flavor to that fire for him. This guy, in my opinion, is so much more enjoyable than the person they compared him to. For me, I need it through his creative voice, through his lens. And sometimes I wonder if what we need is just to 
just turn down that ego and be like, who am I that I'm going to get on this planet and do something so profoundly original that it shakes the masses with its freshness? No, that's not what you're here to do. You're here to do it your way. You're here to show it up and filter it through your voice and add something to it. And that speaks to another quote that I liked, which is a, a, a Hemingway quote. It says, in art, you're allowed to steal anything if you can make it better. I don't fully, I wouldn't go that far Hemingway, but I like this idea. And that's kind of your, you know, I've heard um, George Steiner, philosopher, literary critic, just say that like every, every literary classic can be viewed as a sort of critique of the classics that came before them. And he argues that like the most essential way to critique creative work is just to make your version of it, not just sit back and say it's no good. And I just thought, mm, I, I think that's pretty tasty. I'm just going to read through a few of these, a few other ones. David Bowie, this guy who's the paragon of originality in creative mythology would say, no, 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 I'm more like a tasteful thief. And he said that the only way I will study anything is stuff that he can steal from. I loved this. I ran across this the other day. I think it's George Ballenkine, I think his name is. He's a ballet, famous ballet choreographer. And he said, God creates, I do not create. I assemble and steal everywhere to do it from what I see, from what the dancers do, from what others do. He says, God creates, I do not create. And I just think that it's good to soak in some of this stuff. recommend the books Deal Like an Artist. You've heard me talk about that before by Austin Kleon. There's uh, This goes deep into that subject and he actually does a great job of kind of walking you through the right way to be influenced by creative people. And you're not going to always get it right. So I just want to, I just want to highlight that because art is a gray subject. It's subjective. Some people think that you should take a huge amounts of influence and, and that you should remix in kind of a very direct way. Other people have different opinions. I ultimately believe that influence is a great thing, but if you don't add your experiences and your DNA and your accidents to it, it'll never be as satisfying as it can be and, and, and it'll never reach what you want it to be. And so, although I do believe in a lot of this stuff from these quotes, I just always want to add that in there is that, yes, you know, be, it's okay if you can see some of your influences in your work. I think that's actually an enormous I think it's such a positive thing to pick up the torch. You stand on the shoulders of giants. Don't anything that says otherwise is just hubris and egotism. You're not going to start at from scratch as a creator and reinvent the wheel. We don't need you to do that. We want you to take it to the next generation. We want you to take it where we are now and take us a little bit further. That is a lot to ask of you in the first place. Now, let's talk about not just getting this from strangers. You know, what can you think about the, the, th the things that your friends and family have said to you that counteract some of the things that you say to yourself you know, we're doing this like almost full year collaboration with Lego and I could not be more pumped about it. We, 
Lego was obviously a huge part of my childhood. My kids are Lego obsessed. It's literally been my son's favorite thing since he was really little. We've watched all the movies and the shows, and I've cried to almost all of those things. I love the content they make. Even Ninjago, the TV show, I watched, I think, almost all of that with my son, and I thought, this is so freaking good, man. It was very Hero's Journey-ish. And um, we're, we've been watching Lego Masters, which is one of the only competition shows that I am crazy about. It's very emotional. So I always, get, I always get emotional when someone has to leave or I don't know, whatever. But one of the things that happened this week was one of the master builders was getting candid and saying that, you know, when he struggles, he reaches into his pocket and he pulls out this note from his wife that says, you are a master builder. And he gets choked up. <laughs> and I thought, man, that's so freaking good. Like, what could you put on a piece of paper that, that someone, a friend or a family has said to you that believes in you? What could you put in your wallet, in your in your pocket, in, in your phone case that when you need it fresh, you can revisit it? I highly recommend that. It can be very powerful. And the, you know, the other side to all this is it can sound hokey. It can sound like, okay, yeah, sure. Sounds like, you know, wacky self-help, <laughs> weird and wild self-help. But the truth is, you know, it kind of falls into this bucket of, did you know that if you lay down and close your eyes and pretend to sleep, that you get an enormous amount of the benefits from actually sleeping, just pretending. And the same goes for pretending to laugh or pretending to smile. And so, yes, this can feel contrived and it can feel forced. And you can think, what good is it going to be to, you know, read over this and put a different voice in my head? Even if you fake it, you can fake it until you make it and it can make a difference. And I highly recommend it. The last thing I want to add to this is I think that the ultimate is to learn how to self-soothe, how to self-encourage, and how to create some of those great voices, put it into your language, put it into your beliefs. For me personally, this has looked like this podcast. You know, part of this podcast's journey has been, I want to get to the bottom of my personal creative philosophy. You know, I have a bunch of core values that I keep close to me and I commit them to memory and I give them weird names like Art Island so I can remember when things are tough, it just means that there's still treasure here. Those of you that whose favorite episodes are Island, that was for you. I'm sorry, I can't remember the the, the number of it. I'll try to put it in the show notes, but I put these stupid names to it so that when those voices come up, I can be like, no, I don't believe that. And I actually believe in this. And that's the power of developing core values. And a lot of these episodes, we explore some of the same topics because they're things that you fight again and again and again, and you have to internalize them into it becomes part of who you are. 
And so that's the process I recommend. That's the homework. Find a phrase from a creative stranger you admire, whose practice you admire, or from a friend or family, or even something from you. Write it down. Put it somewhere you can grab it at all times. And and when you feel the attack, go ahead and do the pretend version. Just read it. Even if you don't feel it, you'll be surprised what could happen. You know, one time me and uh, my in-laws were sat around a table and we were having a cheese board and some drinks and uh, we had some olives there and my son came up and he's like, hey, can I try one of those olives? And I know his taste and I wasn't trying to crush his curiosity, but I was like, ah, I don't actually think you're going to like these. And he's like, no, man, I'm going to like them. That's how he talks. He doesn't talk like that. Um, He's like, he's like, let me try it. I'm going to like it. I think I'm going to like it. And then he put in his mouth and he chewed it up and then he proceeded to retch from, (laughs) from the taste of it. And then when he swallowed, he went, Hmm, that's good. (laughs) And we were all dying laughing. Like clearly he hated it, but he didn't trust his own experience. He didn't trust his own taste. He didn't trust his gut. And I am like, just wondering what it would look like for you to listen to your own inner voice and your own inner concerns and your own inner impulses rather than letting them get drowned out by the voices and opinions of others. You know, I have made it kind of part of my life mission to just create this podcast and create a space that is encouraging, loving, graceful to creators. It's freaking hard work. It's, it's not just hard work. It's a hard emotional work. And I've seen so many creative breakthroughs happen on the back of personal breakthrough. And so that's the reason I wanted to address some of these, you know, deep personal issues in the way that we show up to creativity, because it's not just, you know, sweeping a floor. When you show up to the metaphorical or literal easel, you're trying to unearth something. You're trying to put some of your taste and flavor and experience and, and, and and hopes and dreams and perspectives onto this thing. And there are so many creative casualties along the way. There are so many people that get totally derailed. I have people in my life that had an awful experience that crushed their creative spirit to the point of never recovering. And it really bums me out because if you go study the greats, the people that we look up to, that we admire, that go on to do these transcendent creative acts, go study their stories. They had the same experiences. They had the same failures. They had the same mishaps. I was just listening to an episode of Mike Birbiglia's podcast, Working It Out, where he had Jim Gaffigan on there. And Jim Gaffigan was saying like, he tried every persona under the sun when he started out. And so when he hears someone being like, hey, that guy's doing kind of Jim Gaffigan, he's like, I don't care. He'll figure it out. And if he doesn't, it's sad for him. Now, I always like to just highlight here, I'm not saying go rip people off, it's totally fine. No, I'm not saying that at all. Never ever take a one-for-one influence. But if you trip and stumble, own it and move on. 
you're never going to have a thriving creative practice without some serious stumbling and mishaps and setbacks. It is a very hard path. And so my hope is that this episode gives you some protection for that ammo that you fire at yourself internally, that it helps you to quit obsessively poking and prodding every single piece of chicken breast and allow yourself to make some stuff and make some mistakes. And ultimately, finally, quiet down those voices so that you can start to hear and listen to and embody your own. Hey, we got some extra pep. Extra pep. But extra pep. That's just where we have a guest come on, a friend, to bring a little extra flavor for the episode, some fresh creative tips and tricks. And today, this week, we have Kendall Hillegas. She is fantastic as an illustrator and a YouTuber. Highly recommend her stuff. She has a a bunch of good Skillshare classes. And this series, the initial overthinking series was inspired by knowing that one of my friends from high school was getting into the podcast, trying to restoke his creative flames. And I got worried that all the ideas and all the strategies were going to get in his head before he made it a practice, before he made it a habit. And I just thought, man, what are the things that I want him to to think about before he starts to overthink any of this. And, uh, and so it was inspired by that. And it was also inspired by some friends I know that, that have had some really serious creative blocks. And ultimately I just thought, you know, I, I looked back at my own path and I saw there was one project in particular that really made creativity a daily habit for me. And that changed everything, just that simple thing. And that everything from there, it started with a character every weekday for a year posted to Tumblr. And seven years later, it's kind of like James Clear's atomic habits, like just putting these habits together, they form these more complex bonds and more complex creative molecules until now, every single week, I'm posting a podcast with episode art and a headline and copy and it go and I'm posting it to Instagram, Facebook, MailChimp, Patreon, Dribble, Pinterest, Twitter, like that they're so it's a very complex molecule of a creative habit. And it has to start just by one thing at a time. And then as as I started working on this series, I had a conversation with Kendall and she really stoked that flame until I was like, I'm, I think I was only doing one episode when I talked to her and I was like, I need to expand this to a whole thing because she's really about process. And I've been, and I've been really wrestling with taste versus process and the Venn diagram, the overlap of those two things. And a lot of my favorite creative things that I do now have as much to do with my taste as they do. I just enjoy doing them. And so anyway, highly recommend checking out Kendall's YouTube channel, 
Uh, I'm going to put a link in the show notes at creativepeptalk.com slash episodes slash 331 for a video that she has that says start here, advice for new and aspiring artists. Great place to start on her content world. Here she is with some fresh pep, Kendall Hilligus. Hey, Creative Pep Talk. My name is Kendall Hilligus, and I'm an illustrator and lifelong overthinker. Andy invited me on to share a little extra pep with you all, and I couldn't be more excited because for me, learning to work with my overthinking brain is the thing that made the difference in building a creative practice and a career as an illustrator. So if your mind is anything like mine, it's a bit like a constantly flowing current. Sometimes it takes you to interesting and beautiful places full of creative ideas, but other times it sweeps you out to sea. Today, I want to share the three life preservers that have pulled me back to land again and again whenever I'm flailing, caught in a strong overthinking current. Tip number one, prioritize thoughts that lead to action. So if what you want to do is make something, whether it's an illustration, a painting, a piece of music, whatever, and you are stuck in the thinking current, prioritize the thoughts and ideas that help move you toward action. Stop asking yourself whether an idea is a good one or a bad one, original or not, marketable or not. Ask yourself if it's a helpful idea. Does this idea push you towards doing what's important to you? Does it get you into the process of actively creating? If not, acknowledge the idea, maybe thank it, and let it slip on by in the thought current. It's not good or bad, it's just not serving you right now. Bring your attention instead to where you are today, what you can do in this moment, and the helpful ideas that will support you in doing it. Tip number two, make the making easier. Pick one of those ideas, one of the helpful ones that seems like you could dive into it right now, today, this very minute. We're not looking for an idea that requires you to get new supplies or skills or needs lots of planning and research before you can get started. We are looking for an idea that you can begin on now, an idea that feels fun and approachable, like a friend that's easy to hang out with. Now, if you are really caught in that thought current, if you're really stuck, take that idea and make it even simpler. Make an effortless, laid-back version of that idea, like hanging out with that same easygoing friend, but wearing your PJs, watching a movie, and Eating ice cream. That's the kind of idea you want. Start on that and get into the making as soon as possible. Tip number three, separate the making and the evaluation. Try as much as possible to separate the process of creating from the process of evaluating. They're both important, but you can't do them well at the same time. Too much evaluation can pull you right out of that making process and back into the overthinking current. So you need to learn how to wall off your making and doing time from the time when you decide whether you like what you've made and whether you want to do more of it. There are two things that help me personally create this separation and stay present to the process of making. Number one, try to paint, draw, write, whatever it is at a time of day when your inner critic isn't so loud. Personally, my inner critic is a night owl and tends to be the loudest later in the day, the more tired I get. So if I work in the morning, it's a lot easier to tune it out. Start noticing whether your inner critic is more or less noisy at certain times of day and plan your creative windows during those times. Number two, when you are making, when you're actively in the process of making, practice noticing when your brain has moved into evaluation mode and bringing your attention back to the process of making. Don't fight with the evaluation. Don't shame yourself for thinking it. Just notice it, name it, and accept it. Try saying something like, I'm having the thought that this is a waste of time, and that's okay for me to feel that way. And then refocus on your making. So to recap, the three life preservers for when you're drowning in an overthinking current. Number one, prioritize thoughts that lead to action. Don't ask if an idea is good or bad, ask if it helps you make work. Number two, make the making easier. Make the process of creating approachable so that you can get pulled in and fall in love with it. Number three, 
separate making and evaluation. Don't let evaluating your work while you're making it pull you out of the process and back into the overthinking current. Now, if you're saying this sounds too easy or I'll never make the kind of work I want to make if I do it that way, my question to you is, are you making any work at all right now? If you are and you're happy with it, that's amazing and you should keep doing what you're doing. But if you're not making much work or if you're continually starting and stopping, know that these tips and tools are just a starting point. Learning to use them is like learning to use any new thing. It takes practice and it feels strange initially, but you will grow. You'll get better at working alongside your thought current without being swept out to sea. You'll learn to grab onto these life preservers almost unconsciously. And through taking action over and over, even if the actions are small or feel insignificant in the moment, you'll find the process that you love doing and become more and more skilled at giving that process your full attention. And giving your full attention to that process is where it's at because that will yield work that's more and more honest, authentic, and satisfying to make. Thanks for listening. And thanks, Andy, for inviting me to share some extra pep. If you want to connect, you can find me on Instagram and YouTube at Kendall Hilligas. K-E-N-D-Y-L-L-H-I-L-L-E-G-A-S. Bye. Okay, that concludes our over-overthinking. If you're over-overthinking, go back to 328 and 328, 29, 30, 31. Now that's the whole overthinking series done and dusted. I'm glad, thanks for all the feedback. It seems like this one really uh, hit home with a bunch of you and I'm glad, I'm glad to hear it, but I'm sad to hear it because it means you're, you're struggling with uh, overthinking and, and I know, man, boy, do I understand that firsthand. Uh, so I hope you enjoy it. Hey, don't forget, go to YouTube and search Unmaking the Myth, Skillshare. Go check out these videos right now. I think, I think it's the thing I'm most proud of being a part of making ever. It just, it so feels, ah, it just feels like next level. And it, it's a dream come true to work with all these incredible collaborators and just be, have these ideas elevated, you know, so much stuff from the podcast. It's, it's, it's been taken to the next level over the years. I've been working on how to articulate these things. And then I collaborated with this crew and they helped me to make it even more concise and punchier and it was, it's just a dream come true. I think if you like this podcast, you're gonna like those videos. Go check it out. Okay, if you don't know, Creative Pep Talk is part of the CoLoop Podcast Network. It's my podcast network with with my company, CoLoop, that I co-founded. CoLoop is a network of creative podcasts designed to fuel your creativity. It's a bunch of creative podcasts. Go sign up to the newsletter for this podcast at creativepeptalk.com slash newsletter so you don't ever miss it. And you, and you don't miss if we do, we, we only send out, we send out a weekly email that says a new episode dropped. And then we, we rarely send out any other emails, but anytime anything really big drops, we send out a newsletter. And so if you don't want to miss those two, get on with that because the algorithm will hide things from you. So if this is your kind of thing, go check it out. Woo doggies. Access to the back catalog episodes one nine, one through 199 is also accessible by signing up to the newsletter. Thanks to Y for our theme music. Shout out to Alex Sugg for our creative pep talk soundtrack. Thanks to Sophie Pizza on this episode. She added a tremendous amount. Really helped me figure out some of the practical stuff as she usually does. Thanks to Ryan Appleton for further content assistance. Massive thanks to Connor Jones and Pending Beautiful for editing the show. And thanks to all of you for tuning in. Until we speak again, stay pepped up. Stay pepped up.